Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Stephen Whelan from DeeperWoo.com and I'm on with Ian and Gemma on the Big Scuba Podcast. So here we are, once again. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast and uh, my name is Ian and with me on the world of Zoom is... Gemma, hello. Hello there, yes talking to us from our individual homes via the power of Zoom. I'm yes. in Bungie and you are on the coast in... Pakefield. We are both in Suffolk and uh, Tier 4 as we are at the moment. <laughs> anyway, so welcome and uh, thank you once again for downloading the Big Scuba podcast. This is episode 54. And also want to say we've got a great guest lined up for you. And yeah. this is episode 54 with DebaBlue.com, Stephen Whelan. So we've just been out with episode 53, Jen, and uh, that was with Paul Rose, the Arctic explorer and uh, TV presenter. That was really good. That was a um, good, fun interview that we had. And so if you haven't listened to that one, you know, do that after you listen to this one. And, uh, you know, and there's a whole load back of catalog. other ones back catalog to, to look on as well. So coming up on the Big Scuba podcast, episode 54. So we'll be listening to the back phone and uh, what's on there. And uh, we'll have a quick chat about that. And also we need to talk about what we've been up to this year because this is the happy new year. It's First episode of 2021. It certainly is. So uh, happy new year, everyone. And uh, yeah, it's all, it's all positive from here. You know, <laughs> we're, we're going to forget about 2020 and everything. No, we don't want to forget about it. There's some good things that happened in 2020. There were some good things that happened. So uh, there is, uh, it wasn't all bad. So, uh, so 2021 is going to be great. And we're going to be get out there doing more diving than we did this year, so 2021, and uh, we hope that you'll have a happy new year. So that's that. And also we need to talk about a little feature that we have now with our friends over in Scoopverse. Yeah, that came out on Thursday, the 31st of December. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about fitness and that's about it. So let's dial back. Um, let's have a little listen to who's been calling the backbone. Now, let me just, before we do that, let me just remind you of the number. The number you need to call is plus 44 7810 Well, I knew you were looking at me surprised, Gem. You know, I've been writing it down so many times. I've had to, I've had to learn. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So let's have a listen to who's been, who's left us a message. Hello, caller. Please leave your message after the tone. Remember to leave your name and where you are calling from so that we may play it on the wireless. Thank you for calling. Please leave your message after the tone. Hi there, this is Melissa Hobson. I'm the communications manager at the Reef World Foundation and calling in from Reading in the UK just calling the bat phone to 
wish all of the Big Scuba podcast listeners a very happy new year on behalf of the whole team at Reef World. And also to let you know that our big news in 2021 is that we will be launching the Green Fins Diver e-course this year. This course is designed to teach you all the simple actions you can take as a diver to protect coral reefs. So if your New Year's resolution is to learn to be a bit more environmentally friendly when you dive, um, do check it out. It's coming soon. You can be the first to hear about the launch of the course by signing up at greenfins.net forward slash notify hyphen me. Thanks very much and Happy New Year. Hey guys, hey big scuba. Happy New Year to you guys. Yeah, this is uh, Mike Bolton from Panama. Maybe you know me as Silent Hunter. I'm the old Silent Hunter. Slash PTY if you want to look at it on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm an underwater photographer specializing in sharks. And um, I do underwater video, cinema, photos. And I've uh, been doing basically this for several, several years. I've been diving since I was about 17, and I'm now 79, so uh, it's been a while. And uh, white sharks are my favorite. I do them uh, quite a bit, and tigers, bulls, all types of sharks. And I've been uh, uh, grateful to work with Discovery and... Uh, Nat Geo and Animal Planet. I've worked with them all, and it's been a pleasure to do that and an honor. And uh, I'm an associate with uh, Ocean Ramsey and Juan Olifant. We've been uh, working together in shark conservation, shark research, and so forth the last uh, 15 years. And uh, we do uh, trips to Guadalupe, Mexico every year. We do three to four trips every year, taking uh, uh, a few people. We take 12 people on a trip, uh, Ocean One and myself, and special trips uh, to Guadalupe, Mexico. So if anybody's interested, uh, we have a few spaces left for 2021. Just get in touch with me. And uh, well, all you divers, be safe out there and uh, stay away from the COVID. And if you're diving, be safe, stay safe. You know the rules and uh, keep in touch. I mean, uh, if, you don't, if you're not following me now on Instagram, please, uh, I'm Silent Hunter underscore PTY. And uh, just send me messages and we can chat and I'll answer questions, whatever. All right, guys, have a good one and Happy New Year 2021. Big Scuba Podcast and all listeners, of course. This is Sharktopia wishing you a very happy new year. Cheers to a conservation-filled 2021, working together to do everything we can to make this world a little bit better every small step at a time. Every action counts. Let's see what we can. Hello, everyone. This is Rama Jermanson calling from Falmouth, UK on New Year's Eve. 2020 is almost over and I would just like to wish all of you the very best for 2021 and that we are all soon able to go travel and visit our favorite dive sites and dive centers around the world. Lots of love to you all and have a happy new year. Hi guys, Tash here, 
Um, just thought I'd quickly catch up what we were doing yesterday. So yesterday, a few of us from Ballsack decided to go to Stony Cove. Um, really, really quiet because obviously we're in Tier 4. So um, they were allowed to open on the basis that they were considered an outdoor pool. A bit sneaky, but anyway, took advantage of that. And great wee dive there. The viz was fantastic. Um, a little bit chilly, it's probably zero degrees outside temperature and about six or seven degrees in the water. But like I said, the viz was fab, so absolutely worth it. Um, it was just four of us, uh, myself, George, um, Ray, and uh, one other from George's work, uh, who I'd not met before. But yeah, it was a, it was a good, good wee day. Um, happy New Year to everybody and catch you all up soon. Bye. End of messages. If you want to feature on the Big Scuba podcast, please tell us about what you are doing under the water or on the water. Send us a quick voice recording via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven eight one zero. 005924. Thank you. So that was really good. Uh, thank you for that. Scoopverse.com. Let's talk about our friends at Scoopverse.com and what's happening. So uh, we are now going to be featuring every uh, every every episode, isn't it right, Jen? Yes, yeah. So and also well, every time we release a podcast, it's going over to Scoopverse. It certainly will be. So another place where you can download us and keep up to date with what's going on with us over at the Big Scuba. Yeah. And uh, really pleased about that. And we want to say a big, big, big thank you to everyone, uh, including, you know, and obviously Jane, who's been our contact uh, over at Scubaverse to allow us to do that and to give us that opportunity because mm. yeah. it's really good for us. And uh opens us up to new listeners spreads the word yeah so we hey jen we might even make it to what four listeners four listeners yeah four five so that'd be really good so that's the target for 2021 we'll make the double figures of listeners how's that <laughs> that's an <laughs> so eight really new year's resolution it is it is it is it certainly is so uh yeah so that's that so let's very quickly talk about 2020. Um, obviously, you know, the whole the year was dominated by one thing. Which we will just not mention. So, yeah, we, you know, what did we do? Jem, you become a diver. I became after all, these, <laughs> after all this time of talking to scuba divers on this podcast, you actually got in the water and become a paddy open water diver. How I know. That? It took seven months. <laughs> I know. So, but yeah, there are 18 dives locked. So got a little bit into double figures. Yes, exactly. You know, and you went from a child dive over our friends at Crystal Sea Scuba in Norwich to um, doing some snorkeling in the river when we could do yeah. some snorkeling. And that was a good foundation for you to, it certainly was, you know, yeah. to get your head under the water and into the murky depths of the river around Bonnie. <laughs> see the river Waveney and see the fish and things before you actually got open water diving. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, I would have never imagined I would be snorkeling in our local river <laughs> with fins on. <laughs> just... I know. 
and uh, and it was good and I, yeah. uh, it was a really good way for you to um, you know kind of cut your teeth into the open water and yeah it definitely prepared me for jumping in a murky lake at Gildenberg water yeah yeah in fact I think the visibility was probably better in the river wasn't it? it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing you, you you can be up right next door to a double deck oh, bus yeah. in the water and you can only see about six in, and that's when your head is that pressed against the actual side <laughs> of the bus <laughs> <laughs> but hey you've done it you know it was tough conditions and then you, from there you went to um, our local place on the coast where there's a wreck at Wayborn, yeah. didn't you? Rosalie wreck. So that was my first yeah. wreck dive and sea dive. Yeah, and the visibility was really, really clear, wasn't it? It's fab, yeah. 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 Several so, metres at least. Yeah. And then from there you was diving at St Abbs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, certainly um, enjoyed. And then obviously being introduced to Stony Cove twice. Yeah, yeah. And we were meant to go um just re very recently weren't we but because yeah. the whole situation that you know we thought it was best to to leave it for you know and yeah, um, but hey it, it's there for next year you know exactly so, uh, it's there it's there to do um so you've done really well and you know and we've worked on fitness as well yeah uh, that's so definitely that's helped really yeah yeah so we've certainly had a lot of variety on our fitness um we've been crossfitting spinning combating yeah. Even a bit yeah. of jamming, yeah, yeah. which and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And uh, so say a quick hello to our friends over at Bannertine's Lowestoff and CrossFit Great Yarmouth. Yeah. So hello to mm -hmm. you guys. Um, and it's, you know, fitness is um, really key for diving, as we know, mm -hmm. and uh, helps on lots of many things and just generally good health. Isn't it? Yeah, which and is, mental uh, health important. as well. Mental health. Uh, we've also, since we started this podcast, had a very steep learning curve on how to use social media. And I'll, before this, I'll, you know, I've never really got too much into it. You can do Twitter now, can't you? I can tweet. <laughs> and, um, you know, YouTube. I just mm, used to you... look on YouTube for cooking and things like that, you know. And uh, now I can actually put a video together. Which, I know, you know, amazing. Every time, every time I put a video together, I learn. Yeah. To yeah, and that's been the best thing about this whole journey. We've learned new things. So whether it's J words out, then we've been on, yeah. been on a journey, you know. And also, I want to say a big thank you to our families as well, because our mm. families have been have played a part in this. You know, um, my son, he, he, you know, I know he listens, and that's really good. Um, he prefers to stay a step back where scuba honey likes to get involved and you know there's been a few where she's been on the episodes and she's yeah, she's been on videos and things like that right? having our families involved mm. yeah and listening as well yeah it certainly is this is a family show and um you know we, we have to make sure that um our families and everybody uh play you know are involved and that's exactly Okay, well, I think that's kind of covered everybody. And, and all the people, well, just to say thank you to all the people that we've spoken to, whether they be actual guests or behind the scenes and, you know, our partners. Absolutely. And uh, we've had some awesome guests and we've, you know, met some awesome people. We and have. Even by the, the power of Zoom. And uh, what I say a big thank you to some of the companies out there who've supported us. Yeah. Uh, Mares, 
fourth O three, knocked at ninety. Who else? You know, there's just been so many. Yeah. Uh, Apex diving, Aqua. You know, just trying to think who else there is. It's just been brilliant. Yeah, no, we've had an awful lot of support and, you know, it's good to partner up with these people and we look forward to it in this coming year. Certainly will. So uh, and we couldn't do it without you guys. And we want to say a big, big thank you to our patrons and um, the company. Thank you very much. And yes, thank uh, you. we look forward to uh, speaking to you all next year. This year. So This year. In the coming year. In the coming year. I know. <laughs> anyway. Right. What's next? So anyway, so I think that's enough of us chatting away Jem. i think we've covered everybody now so let's sit back and chat to our guest who have we got coming on on episode 54 Jem? we've got a, another podcaster as well as in being involved with a big website that his name is stephen whelan we have and um totally excited about this because uh, stephen's been on loads of uh, different podcasts and got his own website his own podcast and a very experienced diver and experienced guy of the business of the business of what is diving. So yeah, yeah, he's got a lot to share. So uh, this would be really good. So sit back and enjoy. Okay. So thank you very much for joining us. Anyway, Steve and uh, we briefly met um, back at the Go Diving show in February, which now did. seems like a different world away now, doesn't it? Really? Um, and who would have thought twenty twenty one turned out twenty uh, twenty turn, would turn out the year it has? You know, back back in February, it just seems like a lifetime away. Um, it does. Anyway, it, it was does. you know it's good to meet meet you and uh, meet other people in the industry as well back then. And, it was. Uh, I remember it was the girls at Scuba that so was on the on Sarah stand and you guys were having a chat with uh, yeah. Sarah about the the joys of setting up a uh, a digital media um you know podcasts and and lots of stuff in the uh, in the current day and age so oh, yeah. I do remember do remember meeting you guys um and you know what I I'd look I'm I'm really pleased to see how you guys have been progressing on the podcast I do I do listen to you I, I mean there's quite a few kind of long form podcasts out there and I don't have time to sit and listen to all of them, but I do listen to yours on a fairly regular basis. So uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Good. It's good to know you're listening. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Well, we'll, we'll crack on and, um, and we'll make a start if that's okay. So sure. uh, Steve Wellen from deeperblue.com. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on the big scuba podcast today. So could you perhaps uh, introduce yourself a little bit and also tell us about how you first got into diving? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so I am the founder and publisher of deeperblue.com, which is one of the world's largest websites to do with diving. Um, I'm not sure what to call it these days. In, in the good old days, back when it started 20 odd years ago it was called well it wasn't even called blogs in those days that's what we call them now but it was a blog back then and then there was a forum and you know massive community and now it's probably uh, a big online magazine would be the, the the best way of describing it but um yeah so i'm i'm the founder and publisher of deeper blue uh been doing that since 1996 uh so 24 years seems like a lifetime ago um we need to congratulate you on 25 years as well don't we yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was in yeah September, sort of. It was sort of mid September when it first yeah. came out in 1996. So, uh, uh, although it was deeperblue.net in those days, because uh, 
uh, I was a poor student and I, uh, I had to save up money to go and buy my domain name, uh, which of course, these days you can pick up for no money at all. It cost a bit of money back then. So I, uh, and I missed out on the .com for, uh, and it wasn't until 2013, I think, that we, uh, we picked up really? the .com uh, domain. So, um, so yeah, so. Um, and has that made uh, a difference? Uh, what, the .com versus .net? Not really. I mean, by that point, you know, we're an established player in the uh, in the diving media space everyone yeah. knows uh knows the domain name the name that everyone refers to as deeper blue rather than yeah I, probably, I think i'm the only one who calls it deeperblue.com just to make the point that we've got the .com name because that was the the you know the thing back in the day but um uh yeah so 24 year journey mass- massive uh, massive journey and i feel i'll be honest very in a very um, humbling position to help influence so many people in their diving journey um, uh, around the world. Mm. It's uh, it's a very humbling place to be, and uh, you know, I, uh, I I have joked before that you know in the, in the good old days, you know, people would talk about the worldwide headquarters for Deeper Blue, and it was my bedroom. That was uh, that was the, the headquarters. Started, like, you think of the industries and the businesses which have started in the same way and you know uh facebook you know one of the biggest things in the on the planet isn't it you know started with two guys at university or one guy at university and off it started because uh, how did you know where it was going to be you know where it was going to take you when you were in your bedroom to, putting all that time and effort into those first few months getting it all started well it's really really interesting so um you know that the whole genesis of it was uh, so I, I was very lucky, and you asked the question of how did I get into diving. So uh, I was very lucky. I was actually on holiday with my uh, my parents when I was eight years old uh, in the Canary Islands, and uh, I ended up uh, around the pool. And some guy turned up, and uh, I, <laughs> I had this uh, this, opinion, this vision in my head. I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but of yeah, some guy with you know, long hair and speedos coming along with these tanks go, you want to learn to scuba type thing, you know? And uh, I remember, you know, my parents saying to me, would you like to try, you know, something interesting? I was always a water baby and, and liked, um, you know, water sports. Mm. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I'll give it a go. And um, uh, I, they chucked me in the pool and it, it, it was literally just a cylinder, a small amount of weight and, uh, and a reg and uh, chucked me in the, in the pool. Uh, and I remember absolutely loving it. From the moment I took my first breath underwater, I was like, this is amazing. And I mean, considering you're in a, a pool, you know, 1.2 meter pool or something, it's really not that exciting. And, um, just... and it just clicked. And, I, and I, I'm swimming around the bottom of the pool. And I, I remember looking up and uh, I could see them, you know, going, come on, come up. You know, you're, you're done sort of thing. And I'm kind of ignoring them. And they had to send someone down to the bottom of the pool to come and extract me from the bottom of the pool because I was doing a good job of ignoring the come up signal that they were they were giving. So that was when I, you know, that's where I, I started. And um, when I was at uh, secondary school um, or high school for any American listeners, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I had through the cadet force um, the opportunity to uh, learn to scoop dive, you know, more formally yeah. through with BZAC. And um, I rapidly went through being a you know, novice diver to sport diver to dive leader to instructor. Um, and uh, so by the time I got to university, which is where Deeper Blue started, uh, I had all these great stories about going around the, around various places, whether it was Stony Cove, 
you know, or St. Abs, or even, you know, the Meds, uh, the Red Sea or the Meds or something like that. Um, I had all these great stories that I wanted to publish. Um, and I, as at university, I was doing kind of a business computing degree. And one of my modules uh, back then was, uh, I think they called it multimedia, I think was what they called it. And one of it was coding web pages. So I thought, what a great way. I'll, I'll test out my newly found technology skills and code up a web page. Uh, and it literally was coding web page in those days. Um, you know, all these arcane bits with, you know, text editors and all sorts of stuff that you had to do and you had to go and upload somewhere. Java? <laughs> no, well, uh, yeah, JavaScript, I think you're, you're, you're referring to. So that, all that stuff I had to do, uh, do myself. Um, and, uh, and there it was born and I started publishing stories. And they're literally just my stories. And um, uh, soon after people started finding uh, finding out that this stuff was being published and they were quite interesting. And they said, you know what, I've got some stories. Would you mind publishing some of my stories as well? Wow. Um, and before I knew it, I was a publisher. So there you go. Uh, in those days, first mover advantage, I suppose. No one else was really doing it. So uh, I was then wondering if there was anyone else. Uh, so that, so there were sites out there and you can, you can find, you know, sites like scuba.com, which is now an e-commerce site, but, you know, things like that were around at the time. Um, but it really was the the very early stages of the the, the web at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people were still very much doing stuff around. Uh, I think AOL and CompuServe were two things. You used to get CDs in the post, and oh, you used to go and sign up to you to yeah, uh, <laughs> rings a bell by the same thing. So you used to go and load up and get you know a couple of months free on that sort of stuff. That that was the internet for people those days. There was none of this. Um, pick up your phone and surf the web on your phone type stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it was also the era of modems, so you had to uh, you had to have this like screechy box on your on your table or under your desk that uh, connected to the telephone line, and uh, you know would make all sorts of really weird, wonderful sounds connecting to the internet. And it was uh, you know something we couldn't even conceive of you know these days with all our broadband and so on, but really slow internet. So you couldn't have lots of video and and images. It all had to be uh very carefully uh yeah lots of text and in fact if you go back and have a look that so there's something called the wayback machine um which is uh you can go on so you can google wayback machine and you can go and actually type in an uh, uh domain name it's yeah. like deeperblue.com or deeperblue.net and you can go back in time and look at what the site looked like no uh, way back all the way through so you can you can if you if if you or any of your listeners are particularly bored one day you can go back and have a look at deeperblue.net and see all the history of uh, of what we look like it was a very very dark blue color when we started it was blue blue background with white text it was really hard on your eyes mm -hmm. <laughs> it just reminded me though and i thought well that must have been really difficult to get you know many pictures and to make a a website look quite glossy you know now with boardland you know being able to upload pictures and videos you can make websites and uh social media look glossy but oh, yeah. back then that must have been really difficult to do that it, it was all a text medium in those days really so um images were something you scarcely used um which meant that your writing had to be pretty good uh, to, be able to keep people's interest to be honest yeah. um these days you can chuck up a load of really cool images and people will uh, will enjoy it yeah. um i mean you know I, I said it's the the early days in the wild west of um of the internet but it was also the wild west of uh, of diving you know that 
you know, 90s. I, I remember learning in an ABLJ, one of those big toilet seat type, uh, uh, you know, things that went around your neck to uh, yeah. instead of a BCD. That was uh, what I learned in. So um, a yeah. uh, long time ago. <laughs> did, did your parents die? Did you have any outside influence to make you think, I'd like to try that? Or it was just a spare of the moment thing? It was literally just a spur of the moment. It was it was an opportune thing. I was, as I say, on holiday with the folks, and they, yeah. Um, yeah. And this guy came along and said, "Would you like to try scuba diving?" And um, you know, it, it was literally that. I think, although my my mum's a bit of a worrier, so um, you know, she to this day still frets when I go diving <laughs> anywhere, which is really quite funny. Um, so uh, I think she regrets ever introducing me to diving. Um, <laughs> but I, I I never thought that you know, eight years old in a pool. Uh, on holiday, trying out this really weird and wonderful sport called scuba diving would have such a major impact on my life. Yeah, and it's great, you're, you know, it's so, so young as well, and you knew that that was something so amazing to do, so, yeah. But I, I, I do remember, so as I was going through all my, um, you know, kind of my training, uh, and I got to, I was a sport diver, and I was starting to learn uh, to become a dive leader, um, uh, so going from being a, what essentially is a recreational scuba diver to a you know, someone in charge of other people. And I always remember my instructor saying at the time, saying, do you really want to do this? Yeah, I don't remember, I was like 15 at the time or something like that, 16 at the time. And he's like, do you really want to do this? Because, you know, forevermore, you're going to, you can never just enjoy a dive for a dive. You're always going to be looking after someone else. Yeah. And there's, you know, 15, 16 year old me with you yeah. know, looking after, you know, trying to get as many patches as possible on my swimming trunks, basically. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah, of course, you know, of course I want to do this. Um, and boy, was he right. I can never go diving now without worrying about everyone else around me. It's, yeah. uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. So what level have you got up to in your diving? And have you got any aspirations to sort of get any further? Uh, so I am still a dive leader um, in BZAC terms. I'm still instructor in BZAC terms. Um, I think uh, I'm, I've crossed over to RAID. So I'm officially a dive master with RAID as well. But that's because Paul Toomer is a friend of and he agreed to uh, take me and throw me in uh, in Rosebury uh, and uh, take me through the crossover. So I did that. I, I, to be honest, for what I do, um, you know, I, I tend to dive for pleasure or I go diving to go and test out some kit. Mm. Um, although I'm, I tend to let my team, I'm very grateful again that I have a, a global team who um, in some cases volunteer, in some cases um, you know, get paid to, to write for me. So one of the benefits I give for them is to try out new kit. Um, so they they get the first dibs. I get the stuff that no one else wants to test usually. Um, and uh, so I go diving to enjoy myself or go on a press trip to, um, very occasionally go on a press trip to, uh, to go and experience a new location somewhere. So I, I have no other aspirations to go into tech diving or yeah. uh, the, 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 only, the only one that I will ever do anything else is I, I will want... A, one point learn to dive a rebreather that's only because I want to go and dive bikini atoll that's the uh, the only reason to for me to do that to be honest yeah, yeah no that's a good place to be as well isn't it just do it, doing something because you need to do it as well and so yeah exactly exactly yeah. yeah we heard that was um uh we heard uh, the interview that you've done with uh Tech Clark and oh, yeah. uh, a really good interview and um you mentioned uh, going dive in a bikini at all. And um, yeah, I still haven't got there. <laughs> well, you got, you know, who knows? Next year or the year after, you know, if we're allowed to travel again. 
the only problem with bikini and it is literally a bucket list destination for me is it it's a a very long way away yeah. uh, from here in the uk and b it's very expensive um but yeah obviously i have to add in the the learning on a uh, on a rebreather on top of the actual trip cost um it's probably it's a bit expensive but uh, i mean you know, uh, Aaron Argenson, who uh, runs um, Dirty Dozen Expeditions, does a lot of bikini trips. So I, yeah. I've got, a, it keeps nagging me that that's something I should be doing. So uh, uh, at some point, at some you point in the future, in the, then you come back glowing in the dark as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've got wife and family. I do. Uh, uh, so Mrs. W, um, in fact, they're all back there somewhere. There's a closed door behind here, which I'm trying to keep the kids uh, <laughs> at bay. So I've got three small kids, uh, seven, five and two wow. all girls. Wow. Um, so I am massively outnumbered in this house. Um, so I've always talked about getting a pet of some sort, uh, mainly for the girls, of course. But so you're uh, in your yeah. man's cave. Well, yes, this is more this is more the office than the man cave, but uh, it's my my zone that I can close the door and and keep uh, keep the uh, the little rugrats out. But yeah, so uh, they are, and the girls are obsessed with diving and mermaids and all sorts oh, of brilliant. things. Yeah, so, I was uh, ask the question whether they were keen. Yeah, that's it. so so Georgia, who's my eldest, is um, uh, she is desperate to go on a seal team or bubble maker course. She's literally like, am I old enough yet to go diving? So, wow. uh, mm -hmm. so that's going to be fantastic taking her on our first dive. Yeah, that's going to be brilliant, isn't it? You know, and it's good that your family are involved and uh, and you'll see them getting more involved and I suppose more involved in deeper blue as well. You know, as they as they get older. Uh, they don't they don't want to be involved in deeper blue that's me bossing them around and they have me bossing them around enough as it is they don't want they don't want me bossing them around for anything else <laughs> but yeah it's great that little youngsters are keen to get in the water because yeah they'll see what the industry needs yeah. isn't it so. uh, absolutely and i think you know that the, the diving industry is uh you know we're, we're desperate for young blood to get in the sports um yeah you, re you referred to the tech clock interview i've i've, I've said this many times on many interviews that I've done I feel incredibly passionate about young people getting into the industry uh, we have a bit of an image problem in the scoop more on the scuba side than the freediving side uh, where it just isn't cool anymore I'm afraid um, as much as we we want it to be cool um, kids these days are like yeah it's not it's not that interesting and we part of it is we we only have ourselves to blame because we've made it such an easy and cheap thing to do it's one of those things you just go and tick off your list as you've done. You've learned to scuba dive and that's it. Um, and there's no element of danger or coolness in, involved with it. There's no um, James Bond-esque. Um, uh, in fact, I, I, I watched um, uh, one of the Sean Connery uh, movies, uh, Bond movies recently uh, with all the underwater scenes and that sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Thunderball? Um, Thunderball, that's the one. Yeah, and uh, you know, I and you know, there's lots of cool underwater scenes filmed at Stewart's Cove, actually in Bahamas. Um, yeah. Stewart Cove taught Sean Connery to dive. Um, so he, um, you know, I, it's a cool thing. And you think back in the in the you know seventies and eighties, you know, Sea Hunts was a um, you know a big TV program for people to be watching. Those sorts of things. We just don't really have it. I mean, we have. Blue Planet and documentaries and those sorts of things, but there's no sort of heroes in the diving industry that people can go, wow, I really want to be like that person. Well, very few that people that cross over into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, 
you you do have it in free diving more so because free diving is a bit of it's got that air of danger it's um it's cool I'll, I'll be honest most of the free divers um don't look you know the, the average demographic in the scuba industry is you know 40 something <laughs> overweight man um unfortunately what at worst white man as well um so uh you know whereas the the free diving demographic is much more 50 50 male female um it's a younger demographic you know typically yeah. in their 20s um there there's an element of danger involved it, it, it's something that you know if you're a teenager what would you want to aspire to and i think a free diver would be the type of person that you would want to do it's athletic it's lifestyle mm. um that sort of stuff whereas scuba diving less isn't expensive less well you'd be funny enough if you get into free diving properly it's a very expensive sport those carbon fiber fins and oh, yeah. um smooth skin um wetsuits are very expensive um yeah. people don't realize quite how expensive it is but um yeah you know and if you go to you know vobster or chepstow or stony at a weekend as a youngster um it, it's a bunch of overweight middle-aged guys walking around it's true. Smoking, eating a eating a, a burger or a bacon butty or something like that um i mean it's not that cool sorry it's a bit cooler when you're in florida but in the uk it's a bit, bit yeah. the climate yeah. don't help i don't think sometimes because when you do, when you look at uh some of the other content makers out there and they are diving in tranquil crystal clear blue blue waters seeing beautiful things and you know yes like we lose so many months of this of our cat diving calendar don't we you know because the winter the you know on our coast here on the east coast you know the 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 sea is churned up the visibility is hardly anything to see you know and you lose so much time and and the the conditions don't always help um but so I, I, I'll be honest, Ian. So Ian, I'll be honest. I, I don't necessarily agree with your point on that one, and I'll, I'll give two examples on that. So, and I mean the UK. Yep, it's cold, it's wet, um, you know, and so on. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you wear the right equipment, you, you do it at yeah. the right time. It's it's not a problem. I mean, the two examples I'll give is I, I ran my university diving club, and at its peak we had 120 members in the club and we, we churned out all those people as, I mean, novice divers, a lot of them dropped off after a while, but we, we were responsible for training a large number of people in the East Midlands uh, yeah. diving as youngsters. And it was a community spirit. It's about, you know, it was trips abroad. We did a trip to Dahab in Egypt and there were 25 people on that trip, for example, the Liverpool trip, there was another 15 or so people who did that, you know, and during the week we made it into something fun. We used to walk around with our, um, with our sports tops on on a Wednesday night, you know, all the football and rugby and hockey teams that we walking around and we'd be walking around as the Sabacqua club, you know, it's uh, all pretty cool. You make it cool and you, you, you um, make it fun and community side of things. The other one I give is Paul Toomer, um, who used to run, you know, present of raid now, but, um, you know, Diving Leisure London was his uh, dive centre in Battersea. And it was generally regarded as one of the best dive centres in London. I mean, literally, you know, middle of nowhere in London, on this yeah. back street in a residential part of London, yet had a massive social uh, following, had a massive uh, diving training following. He was churning out students of all levels, 
um, you know, think, because he made it cool, it made it interesting, and it was there's an air of personality around it. But you know, you can get that community spirit. That the problem is, a lot of we we've lost a bit of that community spirit. I think in in UK diving anyway, um, yeah. and I'm sure Mary from Bizac will be on the phone to me and banging <laughs> around the head for saying that. But I do think we've generally lost a bit of the community spirit and making it cool and fun and interesting. Yeah. Um, and um, so how do we get that back? Bring it into schools, I think, would be a great idea, wouldn't it? Make it part of the curriculum or, you know, give it as an option. No, I to totally agree. So water confidence is really important in mm. making it. I think uh, I I'll be, so I'll be honest, I think we need to do more about promoting young people in our sports, get, get those hero figures up. So it doesn't have to be, it's not just young people. I mean, people doing some amazing stuff as well. So there are some amazing photography out there um, you know, Tom St. George is a great example in the cenotes, taking these amazing photos. Jill Heinerth, you know, from yeah. what she does, you know, more people have walked on the moon than places that she has been inside mm -hmm. caves and so on. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I think we need to hold up these people as heroes and really, you know, celebrate them and doing some really cool and amazing stuff. Because uh, people are interested and we can get some of those amazing photos that, uh, you know, freedivers are very generally very natural about having the photos, but I think you know, scuba diving is something we can do uh, more around that sort of stuff. I think um, getting people interested young, getting it, um, you know, making it cooler for the, for the young people to be involved, um, doing more about crossing over from free diving and scuba diving and making them more um, synonymous with each other. You don't have to choose one or the other, you can do, do both. They, um, you know, choose when you want to use the right type of skill because I think free diving will appeal to young people more um, and I'll be honest um, I think we need to raise the price of our um, our courses in uh, well this is a global phenomenon I think dive operators and dive centers need to raise their prices make it a little bit harder to do a, a, a course and that sounds a bit weird but they need to make a living you know so dive centers need to make a living and if you make it a bit more aspirational, people are more likely to do it. And people will, you know, and if rather than, um, you know, the amount of money you pay for a diving course versus the amount of money and expertise that your diving instructor has to go through to get yeah. their instructor thing. I mean, we are massively underplaying the value. Uh, you know, you're not really, you know, people will massively haggle for an instructor's time and a course fee because we've made it a commodity rather than, uh, making it something that you're paying for someone's expertise and uh, how cool is this and you've got something really valuable to learn. Mm -hmm. the, more that, the more that you value something, the more time and effort you put into it and the more you appreciate it going forward. So I, it, it's, and I, I talk a lot, you know, I'm involved a lot in the UK industry forums and so on. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about how do we, especially after the COVID, you know, when we go post, post Corona, post COVID and the, the industry starts improving again, how do we, how do we make it so there's it's a sustain it's a sustainable lifestyle for people who are professionals in the industry right. and also make it cool and interesting and and uh, fun for um you know promoting the sport and people being in the sport as recreational divers yeah no i think that's true so yeah definitely put some fans. I think, uh tech will help as well won't it you know when having you know cameras and things like that are more accessible um you know, some it, that appeals to a certain uh, number of people as well. Don't know, being able to take 
great photos and videos and that. But I think you're right. I think it's a good point. And I've not heard anyone say anything like that before. I think <laughs> um, it's, good, it's a good point. People don't always like what I say, but, uh, you know, I, but I, I come in at, you know, as I said before, I've, I've got a whole life outside of the diving industry where I, I work in the IT world and I see a lot of stuff around, um, you, you know, how do other industries promote what they're doing? Um, and they have the same problems around diversity and they have the same problems around young people in, in the industry mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. Um, it's not, I'm not talking about IT being a sport, obviously, but if you just compare it even to other industries like mountain biking, for example, or snowboarding, those sorts of things. Um, you know, we, we we have a real problem in the industry and there are a number of us um, who talk in this terms, which is we need to fundamentally change. Yeah, you know, if we if we don't do something fundamental, so Jim standing and I, so Jim from Fourth Element and, mm -hmm. and I had a number of conversations where it, what we've said is, look, if we don't if we don't change the industry now and what greater catalyst than a, a, the, the greatest economic downturn since the Great Depression, um, you know, to change the industry for the better. So uh, otherwise, yeah. I'll be honest, in 10 years time, you probably won't have an industry to be part of. Yeah. yeah. yeah Not in the UK anyway. Yeah. Well, globally, I, I, this is a global problem. This is, this is, I know we're all sitting in the UK and, uh, you know, thinking about it from that perspective, but this is a truly global problem. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and the sad thing is, what an amazing place being under the water is. It doesn't matter whether you're in, you know, a river or a, a a quarry or under the you know in your local lake or in the sea in the ocean. I mean, all these places are truly amazing. When you look at what goes on there, it's a whole different world, and people don't realise how amazing it is. Yeah, and it's just trying to you know even for me as a very new diver, just seeing that first experience of like seeing a wreck underwater is just like you just can't you know describe it to somebody else. It's just until you see. It's very nice it's just yeah amazing and you think how um shallow we were mm. you, you you know you could easily do that as a snorkel you know snorkel um just having some fun on the water you know it's only what four meters deep and you, you know you could see that yeah so have you got with your diving do you have any preferences doing caves wrecks reefs or doing a bit of free diving do you like to mix it up <clears throat> So uh, I'll be honest, I'm probably these days more of a reef, you know, type diver. Uh, I do a little, I do a little bit of free diving once in a while. Um, I, I, I did joke again uh, on one interview that I did that I'm a bad, I'm a bad scuba diver and a bad free diver now uh, after all these years, which is uh, just because I don't get to do it as much uh, as I'd, I'd love to. Um, uh, wrecks are, are interesting. Um, I've never been a huge, uh, you know, wreck junkie, if I'm being honest. I, I love kind of poodling around and seeing wreck, but I'm not about uh, going in and, uh, you know, penetrating the wreck and going and seeing all the stuff inside. It's just going and seeing something cool. That, that's, it depends on the history of it for me that's more, more interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm perfectly happy poodling along at 15 metres, looking at some, some nice fish and uh, even just going diving. I mean, it, it, my gills are quite dry at the moment. I haven't been diving uh, since February sort of time. And uh, I'm just itching. I've got a whole load of kit literally just sitting just down here looking at me. Uh, and uh, I, I'm itching just to go and get in the water somewhere and go diving. Yeah. Would you normally have gone diving if that had been a, a normal mm -hmm. year? Yeah, by now? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, 
you know, it, it's quite hard juggling, uh, you know, running Deeper Blue, uh, doing some, you know, another career in IT, family, uh, friends, everything else, yeah. and going diving. It's quite, uh, it's quite a lot on, to be honest, and diving usually is one that uh, falls a little bit by the wayside. But, I would, you know, I try and go three, four times a year if I can. Yeah. Where's your nearest inland? Have you got, or are you near the sea? Uh, well, my nearest thing is Raysbury. That is my nearest puddle, um, which again, I'll go into trouble for calling it a puddle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so in fact, you know, Paul Toomer and I will go and poodle around in, uh, uh, in, in Raysbury, um, which I, I find hilariously funny on most occasions when I go with, with Paul, because uh, yeah, he is one of the, the, the top technical instructor trainers written the book on a lot of uh, instructing courses and I've got him at you know nine meters in Raysbury doing a drill of some sort just for something to do <laughs> <laughs> and having some fun and having some fun you know it's all it's all about having some fun and having yeah. a good time and, and enjoying it uh, yourself I think yeah you've got to come out of the water with a smile on your face absolutely and I think you know for me it's just going diving that's the that's the main I, I can go and just around and see not a huge amount but I, i'll still enjoy the, the the actual exercise of going diving is really cool for me i really i yes. still have this like thrill of that eight-year-old boy getting in the swimming pool uh going in and enjoying it when you know obviously getting changed afterwards a bit cold and wet and a bit windy and stuff it's slightly less less exciting at that point but the actual thing oh, you know actually experiencing going diving and, and enjoying yourself is uh, is amazing have you ever thought about writing a book about your experiences? <laughs> I don't yeah. think people need to need to hear any more from me. They <laughs> they hear and see far too much of me already. I don't think they need a book to uh, well, uh, to, to to read about me. But um, I, to be honest, I, I, actually, I don't think my my story would be that interesting from a diving perspective. Uh, I've done lots of uh, diving around in lots of different places. It's just nothing particularly exciting. I you know. <laughs> Choice of reading Jill Heinhurst in Into the Planet or Stephen Whelan IT diving or something That's like that. You know, it's, it's gonna kind of kind of, you know, I'm not sure anyone would want to bother picking up a book, but um but uh thanks, Gemma. I appreciate the uh, the thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything's possible. Well, I suppose anything's possible. Um you know, we'll, we'll see. I think uh, I think I've probably got more. Actually, what, what I would write a book about is so at, um, at so I'm heavily involved from an industry perspective. So I, I spend a lot of time working with the industry globally, and uh, we every time we go to DEMA, the big trade show in the US every year, we hold one of the um, the biggest parties uh, at DEMA. Um, something else that I'm pretty good at is holding a party, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I like to joke that uh, I, I, I store lots of information and photos away from those parties. Uh, so for future for future reference, and you know who, if you're listening to this, you know who you all are, right? So, uh, and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, careers are made or broken at the Deeper Blue Party. It's uh, at Dima is uh, is the joke. So uh, we need to see you guys out there next next time Dima happens. You guys need to come. Yeah be awesome you know uh be awesome to get out there because that changes location doesn't it every year every other year uh it does it does uh so it's um it's normally las vegas or orlando um 
this year was supposed to be New Orleans, which was the first time in 20 years it was going to be in New Orleans, which I was uh, very excited about. Um, but unfortunately, that obviously didn't happen. So um, next year will be Las Vegas again, um, which Las Vegas is always fun. I love Las Vegas. I've, okay. I've been there many, many times for many conferences. Actually, I've never been there for pleasure. I always go for, for work for some reason or other. But it's a, it's a fun place. And it's a, I mean, the, the best bit about DEMA is it's a global dive industry. Uh, so all my friends and family from around the world, um, you know, we all get together and um, you know, really celebrate diving, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever go to the other one in, uh, what's that, Boot? I've been to Boot uh, in Germany, Dusseldorf. Germany, um, yeah. Now that's a show and a half. The, the, um, for those of you that have been to, well, you guys obviously have been to the Go Diving show in, in yeah. Coventry. Uh, that Mark and Ross put on, um, you know, which is, you know, a, a reasonably small-sized hall uh, mm. in Coventry. I mean, imagine a hall that is three or four times that size, and that's the diving hall, and it's one of twenty halls that are uh, involved in the show. Because Boot is predominantly a boat show, so obviously quite a few of these halls are filled with super, you not know, super yachts, mm. but you know, massive yachts and massive, uh, you know, leisure. Um, and commercial orientated uh, boat stuff, uh, but I mean even the, the the diving bit, it's it's a massive hall on its own right. Completely different scale to, but it's also I think it's eight or nine days long, so it's yeah. a pretty uh, pretty long show to be part of, and it's a bit of a marathon for those who who attend as exhibitors. I luckily have only ever gone as a um, as someone who walks around as an attendee uh, to do some meetings, but um, so it's not too bad for me, but exhibitors find it a bit of a marathon yeah it's yeah. pretty draining after that long yeah the yeah. one i want to go to is uh, adex in singapore that's one i haven't had a chance to go to um and tag on some diving out there because uh, there's quite a bit of good diving out that way yeah, yeah. i did see their virtual their, their virtual one early in the year didn't they and uh, yeah. some of that was quite interesting but um and interesting to see how the the virtual show was all going to pan out you know and uh, different way I, I, work. I, I'll be honest again, <clears throat> and I'm not a very popular person when I talk about this sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I think the diving industry has a real problem around the virtual stuff because obviously we've seen uh, a lot of people try. So um, yeah, we had uh, Scuba Digital uh, that was on earlier in the year. Uh, we had Dima went virtual. We had Adex that was virtual, and so on. The problem with all these things is people are trying to recreate what we do at a real show which is mm. go and see and talk and you know touch equipment and do that stuff yeah. you just you just can't replicate that in a virtual environment where i think they're missing a trick is you can actually run a really successful show that's an education show that is all about you know understanding and educating people around you know if i think about dema as the actual show itself I mean, a lot of people go for the networking and they're going around the, the exhibition hall and so on. But actually, a, lot, a huge number of people go for the education track that runs parallel to it. And you could absolutely run that uh, and charge decent amounts of money for educating people and doing it the right way. But I, I just don't think anyone in the diving world has quite got it yet. Um, so 
any of you lot listening, if you if you're involved in that, please do get in touch with me. I'm very opinionated on this and think, uh, but don't have the time to uh, to do anything myself about it. So I'm happy to advise other people. Also, <laughs> it will encompass non-divers as well for the education side, like you know the mm. conservation, the marine uh, life view on it. That's the way that you're going to get people kind of thinking. Well, they need to do something, and maybe they might try diving or getting under the water to see it. So yeah. I think I think Jeremy, you're absolutely right, and I think you know that the key thing here is, um, you know, and we talked about how do we get people in uh, into diving in general and young and young people in, mm. into diving, and I think the whole conservation message and education message is really important because uh, particularly youngsters care about what's happening to the planet. They do. Uh, they're very passionate about it, and I think you know we need to do more of that sort of stuff to to help educate people. Uh, as to what um, you know, what's going on under the oceans, and how can they help, and what better way of seeing it and being involved with it than learning yeah. to dive? Yeah, and it is right. We've heard people say that children are so they know what sharks are, you know, what uh, different species are there, so they they know all this stuff, and they're there ready to go. But it's just getting people to yeah. get it, yeah, going. Yeah. We we need to capitalise on the, the the blue planet stuff, and you know, planet Earth, and our planet and all, all those things where there are these absolutely amazing underwater scenes yeah. and we need to capitalize on that and and find a way of uh you know encouraging people to be underwater now i think next big thing that we'll have that will be a trigger point for us as an industry to try and get behind is when avatar 2 comes out because um you know james cameron's film is so there's a lot of free diving in it so um kirk crock who is the founder of performance free diving has been out and he's been for the last couple of years pretty much been the um, main trainer of the the principal cast for that uh, in freediving techniques and um, you know he, he describes it we had a chat with him well it was a year ago now um, but you know the way he described it is Avatar 2 would be the most significant diving movie ever made because it is 100% underwater 100% real act- actors really underwater diving and freediving uh, as part of motion capture and and um, you know the scenes, it's not CGI, it's real. Yeah. So it's going to be significant, and it's all about an underwater people and you know, on the planet and what they're doing and so on. So I I think there's going to be a real opportunity to tap into the mania that will be around the Avatar two launch to yeah. um, you know to tap into it. And, and I know several people in the industry are talking about how do we capitalise on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'd be a game changer, couldn't it? Because James Cameron, he, he spends, a, he's got that boat, hasn't he? He does, a, you know, ocean exploring himself, and uh, to have somebody and with that backing and you know, global raising a global awareness awareness like that with a film like Avatar two and three, aren't they? Because didn't they film three yeah. as well? You know, yeah, they and, filmed two and three amazing. back to back. Mate, yeah, amazing. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, a, it will be, you know, if you think about, it, it's going to be an event like, you know, Star Wars, you know, films and, and, you know, Harry Potter films and those sorts of things. It's going to be a, it's going to be a global event when it launches. And if we can find yeah. a way of capitalizing that and, and as an industry and, and just even as, you know, whether you're a diving professional or not, and certainly us as digital creators, right, we should be, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping promote the message around diving on the back of Avatar as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. We're speaking to Kirk um, on Monday, isn't it, Jan? Yeah. 
and yeah. we're going Fantastic. to be asking him about that and uh, about how he trained Kate to um, hold her breath for seven minutes. And she gave Kurt one of the, you know she gave credit to him for training yep. her, you know, which is amazing. Yeah, and I think yeah, good old you know, Kirk. Yeah, yeah, and even having Kate Winslet as a role model, you know, that that might aspire, you know, some more people as well. So, yeah. so yeah. exciting times. Yeah, let's hope so, she doesn't get the um, her co-star um, drowned this time though, because in the Titanic she did, didn't she? Right <laughs> the, you know, he just saved her, and then he. She lets him drown. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Le Leonardo DiCaprio uh, drowning at the end of Titanic. I mean, they, you know, I mean, it's a slightly different movie to, you know, the majority of people on a, on a ship dying, you know. it's uh, So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a bit of a different thing. But I'm really pleased you're talking to Kirk. Kirk, um, very dear friend of mine, uh, known him for many years. And uh, he has got some amazing stories around... Um, yeah, free diving in movies and he also um has done a lot of stuff and with the special forces in various countries training them as well so um i'll be a good interview for you guys and i'll look forward to listening in on that one yeah oh, well do you know this world is such a small world you know and we spoke to uh, mike valentine who's mm -hmm. also done a lot of underwater mm -hmm. filming um we've got the uh, royal navy on uh next episode yeah. as well you know and all these with all these guests you get talking to and you find out well you you know these these know these and you know cross uh network and then that's brilliant it's the good thing about diving you know how it is such a sociable sport it like is that. it's a very small world and it's uh it's a great sociable world as well. I remember the, the, the main, uh, the one that surprised me the other day and how small a world it was. Well, it was actually, I say the other day, it's two years ago now. So one of my, um, one of my writers and, and staff is um, involved in, uh, did all the marketing for um, the Midlands and London diving chambers. And we were at uh, Eurotech. Uh, so December two years ago, actually. So we were at Eurotech and we were chatting and and so on and we were uh, i was reminiscing about being at the set tank so the 30 meter submarine escape training tank down in gosport portsmouth okay yeah, yeah. Uh, that's now being <clears throat> that's now being decommissioned yeah but we used to teach deeper blue used to teach free diving courses down there and um it was uh and they that yeah there was a royal navy team there who used to train all the submariners to escape from sinking submarines yeah. uh, and this guy called spike and i can't remember his real name now i'd have to look it up but spike who was always there uh, and we, we struck up quite a friendship uh, amongst all the instructors, myself and, and Spike. Anyway, we lost contact with him. And then we were uh, I was showing some pictures to uh, to Vic and you know, looking at stuff. And she's like, oh, I know that guy. That's, um, that's Spike. And uh, you know, she was friends with the guy on Facebook. And I can't remember through doing various things she, she'd been involved and so on. And just like completely random. I hadn't seen the guy in, you know, 12 years or something like that and there he is you know popping up in in friendship <laughs> groups on facebook with people you know so it's it is i mean it's a tiny world and it's amazing to to see um you know what everyone's done and i think there's so many unsung stories out there that's you know talking about promoting and things i think there's so many stories out there and that's one of the things i found through you know doing you know the podcast with deeper blue is you know understanding and listening to all these stories of these amazing people out there uh, and then listening to 
you know what you guys do and on your podcast and other podcasts out there it's really interesting to hear all these stories which we could do so much more about promoting yeah and i don't think we'll ever run out of people to talk to because you just keep uncovering things all the time and it's just yeah an amazing journey yeah 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 absolutely absolutely so what have you have you got any plans for 2021 with deeper blue well my mate well actual diving plans was uh was to go uh diving in truck lagoon uh with aaron and the dirty dozen expeditions yeah. and andy torbett actually so oh, torbs wow. and, and i were going to be on the boat Oops. um which uh would have been which would have been fun <clears throat> uh probably a little bit scary for aaron having you know a brit and a scott on the boat in the middle of the pacific somewhere <laughs> so, uh, what could possibly go wrong right um so um that's been postponed now um, to January 22. Um, so I actually don't have any diving plans uh, in actually booked. And to be honest, I, I probably won't until I see a bit more about how the vaccine rollout goes and travel plans and that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, obviously, as soon as, you know, in the UK, as soon as we come out of some form of lockdown, I'll be uh, packing my, uh, my box uh, full of diving kit and probably disappearing <laughs> off somewhere with... Uh, with someone i'm not sure who but uh you know I, I, we have plenty of us itching to go diving so we just need to find the right right time uh and right place to do it yeah definitely I, I, had think... an idea. I just had a thought and we spoke to a while back now john chatterton and one of our set mm -hmm. questions was about the um the billboard question which we'll ask you at the end and he okay. said he was talking about bikini atoll and how I can't do Gemma, do you remember the boat that he was talking about? And it was one of the ships. He was said that they where he was on one side, it was beautiful, you know, really lovely, clear waters. And it, the, the idea of what I'm now coming to is on the other side, he said it was just full of plastic waste mm. where that all accumulated. And if you do get to go out there, you know, it'd be really great to hear whether that's still there or, you know, if the low, if something's happening with it, you know, because that, I think that was a while ago when John went, you know, and that is a very hard place to get to. And if you do, do get there and uh, we hope you do, it'd be really great to hear back on if that is still there. And, you know, because there is a, obviously a concern, you know, that that is all in the water. And I think it's by sound of it, it sounded quite bad. Yeah. Well, the, the story I always remember, it's not diving related, but it is ocean related. So uh, talking to, uh, and I, for life, I can't remember who it was, but someone who, who's done quite a lot of sailing around the world. And they used to say, you know, they, they'd be in, you know, the, the Southern Atlantic or the Southern Pacific, and they'd be you know, sailing around. And, you know, it used to be amazing. You just, just sit there, the silence of just the waves lapping and so on. And then fast forward 10, 12 years later, and all you'd hear was thunk, thunk 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 as things are hitting as bits of bits of rubbish and plastic and everything are hitting the hull of the boat because it's just everywhere and it's mm. sad very very yeah. sad unfortunately yeah it's a bit but, of a depressing episode this i do apologize i didn't no, mean it to no, be no, uh, no, quite no, as depressing no, as it's, not, it is. It, it's important stuff and it's got me and the more especially with the you know someone like yourself with, with deeper blue you know with the amount of followers and that you've got 
you are at a place where you can say, hey, you know, this is what's going on, you know, and mm. the more we do highlight it, things, there will be a happy story to it, you know, be a, a positive finish to it. And yep. uh, the more we do keep talking about it, it becomes more of a, an easy subject to do something about it. Absolutely. But so I, I I, Ian, I completely agree. Mate. I think, you know, talking about it is really important. And the other thing that I will say to people is um, every single person makes a difference. Yeah. So yeah. You know, a lot of people go, well, what, what does it matter if I don't recycle my thing properly? Or why does it matter if I don't, you know, if I still use plastic bags or buy a plastic bag from, you know, for shopping or whatever it is. I'm like, every single person makes a difference. If, if you know, if a million people said the same thing as, you're thinking right now then that's a million bit more plastic in the you know in the ocean so i'll give you, you, know, I'll give you an example i'll give you an example in my job um i often come across crisp packets mm. which are 20 years old in mm. apart from the dirt in mint condition yep. and you you know you tweet the manufacturers and say why am i finding crisp packets which are 20 years old and you, you know, and you're still selling these same packets and they're, they're going to take at least another 20 years to break, break down, if not more, yeah. you know, and yeah, it, it's, it's not until, you know, if you are involved in industry uh, and people coming to you because of your experience and, and followers and say, Steve, you know, what, do, what do you think? You know, we're thinking about bringing this out or changing a, a new line of products. And this is why we like Fourth Element as well. Because you know they're a very innovative company. They're looking at their packaging and things like that. That more the more people who do get thinking, hey, you know, we can't keep using these plastics. These, you know, we need to change it. And they'll come to you and say, well, you know, what do you think? And you know, the more you highlight it, like going to Bikini Atoll and say, right, mm -hmm. you know, this waste yeah. is. Uh, I think it's really good. I think um, you know, people companies shouldn't hide from it they should say right you know we're now going to change it you know i've tweeted these companies and say look at the crisp packets i'm still fine you, you never get response and i think uh times like that needs to change they should be accountable absolutely and every company should be accountable i think you know if you look at what jim and strikey did at fourth element you know with mission 2020 uh, and trying to get you know diving street i mean what what more important industry to be champions and, and you know, trailblazers when it comes to this sort of stuff, we should be the diving industry, right? We should be, yeah. we should be doing that. Now we do a lot. We do do a lot. I think there's still a massive amount to, to go. And I do agree with you. People like fourth elements are fantastic companies around, you know, uh, getting plastic out of the ocean, but also, you know, tackling plastic waste as part of their supply chain and, you know, packaging and, and distribution type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. But don't tell them that I think highly of them, by all means, please. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> no, that's good. So you obviously know we ask all our guests kind of a few set questions at the end of the podcast. So our first one is, what dive location is still on your wish list or bucket list? Well, I guess you may have mentioned well, it. Well, it, uh, it, uh, it probably won't come as a surprise because I think I mentioned it a few times this one, but it's Bikini Atoll, funny enough. Yeah. And what is the reason behind that? What what you really want to do when you're there so i'll be honest it's such a historic place mm. um you know it, the, the bikini is named after it right it's you know um it was inspired by splitting the atom and that was uh what is the man named, named after 
uh, Borat, I think, is what that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> named after. Um, so, and I think, you know, this, uh, and when you look at the history of it, you know, testing nuclear weapons against surface fleets and actually coming to the realization that, mm. you know, nuclear weapons are great against people, not so great against uh, ships, you know, what a crazy, crazy thing to have found out and, you know, going and, you know, obviously the, the trauma that involved around moving all these people away from where they used to live and all sort of stuff. But I think just the whole history around it, it's just yeah. oozing history um, as well as oozing radiation, of course, but, you know, oozing history, uh, you know, really yeah. important. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah. And what is your favourite mar marine animal? Uh, it's... Oh. You see, I'm going to have to give the answer I give my kids, which is it's a shark. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Diley, David, David, David Diley uh, asked me at go diving. Uh, it was shark or dolphin, because obviously Mr. Diley is the is Mr. Shark when it comes to it, and the answer has to be shark. Any particular shark? Um, uh, so, uh, I, listen, I I could give the really um, uh, cliched answer of like a great white or something like that. I did go diving with um, a large number of bull sharks and that was an amazing experience. I think really okay. amazing thing. Um, but my daughter asked me this question. She, uh, yes, last night actually. Uh, and she had a book with all the stuff and um, there was a thresher shark in there, which uh, I was talking about, which, you yeah, know, with her big long tail was, uh, yeah. was amazing. So they are three answers in one. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could take three people diving, snorkeling, free diving, pop them in a submarine, they can be past or present. Who would you take and why? Oh, goodness me. Great, great question. Um, so uh, so one person would be Bob Croft. So uh, Bob is known as the, uh, the father of freediving in the United States. Um, he was in the US Navy diver. Uh, I have had the, the honor of meeting um, Bob a, a good number of times. He's... Uh, uh, a fantastic person. So I would love just to be able to go go, probably in a submarine more because he's got such amazing stories about this pioneering time in in the diving world. So um, that would definitely be um, be one person. Um, uh, I, I I would also another free diving person. Uh, I'd say is Jacques Mayol, um, obviously now deceased, as one of the pioneers of competitive free diving. Um, again, mainly to, to listen and, and hear what he had to say. He, he was such a, I, you know, unfortunately, I never got to meet him. Mm. I know a lot of people who did. Um, and he was this really amazing, deep um, philosopher almost as far as uh, diving is concerned. So I'd love to have, have heard what he had to, to say. Um, and then, oh, oh. and then the last one is, I, I, just because she's been asking me about it a lot, is I, I, I and what happens soon is I want to take my eldest daughter diving. That's who I take diving somewhere. Oh yeah, that must be a really special thing you're looking forward to diving with your daughter. It's just absolutely can't can't wait can't wait. So uh, I just hope she's going to enjoy it. That's the <laughs> you can't guarantee that they're going to love it first time round. But she's uh, and I think she's built up so much in her minds now after all these years. Have you, have you took a snorkeling? Uh, yes, she's done a bit of snorkeling. Um, around the UK, we were in the, um, uh, we're in the Isle of Wight uh, over the summer and she did quite yeah. a bit of snorkeling. That's uh, a good stuff. start, isn't it? It is, it is. But it's, I mean, you know, not everyone gets on with sticking a regulator in your mouth first off yeah, and going diving. It's not, 
it's not always the most natural thing to do. No. <laughs> I, think, I think a few of us have, uh, have been there with that one. I think uh, that first... You know. Try dive, yeah, remember it always. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> But you're still here, still doing it, yeah. Gemma. So that's the important bit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, after um, a, a dive and trip, do, do you have like a particular meal that you enjoy? You know, is it a curry or anything like that? A, a, a beer, I think, is what you, you mean to say. And that's the that's the most satisfying, uh, satisfying thing you can uh, you can do okay, is that. crack open that beer and, 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 and have it. It's got all the major food groups in it, hasn't it? Yeah, and you five a day, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, have you got a favourite piece of dive equipment or kit that you can't do without or you have to take with you everywhere you go? Uh, ooh, not really. Um, mainly because in, in my line of work, when you do go abroad, uh, you don't always get a chance to dive with all your own equipment. And actually, the interesting thing is, more often than not, if I am going diving somewhere, usually I have pretty much brand new equipment for everything, which, ha which sounds amazing, but it's actually quite hard because you've got to get used to all this stuff all the yeah. time. So um, I think there's a rule that you're not supposed to you change more than uh, two bits of one or two bits of primary kit uh, at any given moment. And I I'm usually diving with five or six different new bits <laughs> of primary kit. So um, so I don't have any sort of comfort uh, bit. Um, you know, that uh, I dive with. I, I did for many years, actually. I, I had this really nice, um, it was actually a um, free diving mask, very low volume. It was mm. actually, actually, I like it. It was a spearfishing free diving mask. So it was a camo uh, thing, really, I mean, really comfortable, um, soft uh, mask, low volume to do. But um, that was where I took took everything with me just in case. But uh, nowadays, uh, yeah, not really, unfortunately. <laughs> No, that's good. That's and uh, for our last question, um, if you could have, if you were given a billboard, and you could put a message, a question, an image, uh, whatever you wanted, but you want to get a statement, a message out to all the billions and millions of people, what would you put on your billboard? Uh, go to deeperblue.com. It's awesome. No, is that is that count? No, I'm I, I'm kidding. It's um. So what what could I what could I do? Um, I I think the two messages and I, I you know I'm not sure. I need to think about the wording of it, but I want to get out two key messages. So one is, um, go and experience. Try diving. Go and experience the oceans. It's awesome. It's absolutely amazing. I think that's the first thing. And then I think the second message would be, help protect our oceans. Yeah. every single person should go and protect our oceans become an ocean ambassador and you individually can make a huge difference yeah, yeah. that's really true so protecting the ocean protects the planet isn't it totally totally oh, seven yeah. tenths of this planet is yeah. water yeah that's a, yeah and most of it not we don't know anything about which is really good agreed totally agree yeah i, I like that idea it's good yeah. to know there's still mysteries and well, mysteries yeah. and unknowns and yeah so much to explore as well yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah no great answer Stephen thank you <laughs> my thank pleasure you. thank you fantastic yeah. so okay, well, thank you very much for your time thank you
Well, yeah. that's been great, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we should have you guys on the Deep Blue podcast when we, uh, uh, when we start back up next year at some point. Okay. And keep going. It's a really hard time at the moment mm -hmm. because, um, you know, the diving industry is hurting at the moment with, you know, COVID has disproportionately impacted diving industry. Uh, and there's lots of people, so you may not be getting as many listeners as you potentially could have done if it was um, non-COVID because a lot of people are out of the industry mm. as well. They're just not thinking about diving. Um, keep going, keep persevering. Um, you know, when we get out the other side of this, it's going to be a really interesting time. There's going to be a real uptick, I think, in uh, people who want to go diving, who who have been diving, want to get back into it and that stuff. And they'll be wanting to consume digital content like this podcast. To do. Okay. Um, Right, have a Cheers, Ian. Cheers, Gemma. Okay. Take care. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hello, and we are back. Gem, what did you think to that interview? Because I thought that was really good. Yeah, really good. And he's got such passion for the diving industry and obviously getting it back on its feet again when we can get I think it is. And I think that's one of the things that we've all got to take from 2020 in the diving world. It is a small world. And we are all in it together. If, if you are a believer in the industry and mm -hmm. training new people, getting more people, and particularly the young, because, you know, without the young people coming on and learning, you know, the industry is not going to go forward. So we need to do that and learn by this year and go, hey, team hug everybody, you know, and let's all move on. Yeah, in the community. And work together for the good of the sport, for the good of the environment. Mm -hmm. you know, and we can all have turned this into a positive thing and a win-win and that's what yeah. we want we like we like our win-wins <laughs> we do so we do like win -win. yeah so uh, that's good and what say thank you very much to Stephen for uh giving us some time because i know well, he's got a thousand and one jobs to do and um you know keeping up to date with deeperblue.com so and uh i think as let's be fair um i think Stephen's uh experience inspires quite a lot of people inspires us it does. to you know do this podcast and put the hours in you know because yeah. let's face it, every video takes a few hours to do posts and things like that it takes time and mm. uh, there's no money in it and uh, it'd be great if there was and uh, you know we certainly still got our jobs going you know while we have while we can and um so what i say thank you very much for his efforts and inspiring us and others to do things in the industry. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, coming up on episode 55, Gem. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice round number, 55. It certainly is. So coming up on episode 55, talking to us all the way from uh, British Columbia. Mm. We have um, Kirk Crop. Glad I got that name. And because uh, I knew I, I would get it wrong, I'm sorry, I'm just me, I, I can't pretend to be anyone else, you know, but yes, we're coming up on episode 55, we have got Kurt Crock, and he's from, and he's the founder of Performance Free Diving International and Performance Free Diving Academy. Yeah, he's he was amazing to talk to. And he is, and uh, that'd be a really good one to share. Yep, and he mentions the new film... Avatar, where he was involved with, well, among the past, but Kate Winslet, he taught her to breath hold. Yeah, so uh, a while back, um, 
they started the filming of Avatar 2 and 3, mm-hmm. which is an underwater film by James Cameron. If you haven't seen any of the, the, the previous Avatar, uh, do that. Jen, have you seen Avatar yet? I have, and I have got the DVD. So wow, that is one brilliant. film you can say I have watched. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't know Jem, then um, Jem, I often have to check whether Jem has seen certain films. And usually the answer is, what? What's that? (laughs) So, yeah, Avatar is a really good one. If you haven't seen that, it was one of the first three, I think it was the first three uh, cinema. So uh, if you haven't done that, look, go get that out and watch. And uh, before you see two and three, they're both filmed together and they'll be coming out shortly. The good thing about that film is these new films, Jen, is that they do have a message and that message will be all clear when we when you hear the interview that we have with Kirk, uh, Kirk is a well known and very respected uh, trainer in the world yeah. of free diving, and yes, he's he. Uh, I was listening to Stephen Colbert, who's the does the Late Show in America, and he had on Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet credited she did Kirk from being able to hold her breath from just a few seconds right through to overseeing the water. Amazing, yeah. And she loved it as well. Yeah. So you imagine that. Can you imagine holding your breath for seven minutes? At this moment in time? Let, let's do it. Let's do it now. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so that's who's coming up on episode 55. So watch out for that. And uh, yeah, it's really, you know, it's really good to train. Tom Cruise. Um, David Blaine. David Blaine, yeah, David Blaine, when mm. he did his world record, yeah, he um, helped him. On. Yeah, uh, re- really good. And that was really good of Kirk to share some time with us. It was. Yeah, it was great. Good. So that's episode 55. Anything else we need to cover? No, just uh, say thank you for listening. And yeah, keep your eyes Don't open. forget the bat phone. Oh, actually, I need to go. Don't forget to... Leave us a message on the WhatsApp and I need to go, Jen, because somebody's now about to leave us a message and I've got to run. So I wonder who it again. Is. I don't know, but thank you very much all for listening and good night. Goodbye. <laughs>